is right. Amen. How are y'all? I have, uh, my name's Gary Pretty. I'm a pastor here. I've been here for the last couple weeks, so if you've, if you've come the last couple weeks and, and we haven't met, uh, you'll see me a little more regularly for the rest of the year, for sure. Anyway, uh, a couple of weeks ago, I went away. Well, first, I want to say Happy Thanksgiving. Uh, those of you who are getting ready for Thanksgiving, uh, it's one of my favorite, actually. Because it involves so much food, it is probably my favorite holiday. Because uh, you get all your favorites, right? Uh, even those of you who don't like turkey, so you don't have turkey. You, you, what do you have instead? Your favorite, right? I know that's how you all do it. Uh, but, but seriously, it's probably one of my best. First one without my daughter coming home. So it'll be a little different. I'll let you know next week if it still remains as one of my favorites because I'm not sure if it's going to uh, remain that way. I just want to say thank you while I was away. Clyde, thank you for stepping up to, uh, to share last week. I gratefully appreciate it. Uh, and the week before that, Pastor Phyllis was here. Uh, yeah, thank you all for, for showing up and, and greeting her and loving on her. Uh, she's fantastic. Uh, and I've known I've known Pastor Phyllis and her husband for many, many years, and uh, it's great to see her answering, that she answered God's call in her life to, to step into the pulpit to preach, and I, I was relieved when I found out that she was willing to come all the way to Rock Hall, and for us, and uh, I was like, absolutely yes, so it was good. Anyway, uh, we're getting back into our study of the book of Acts, as you can tell, and I went home this two weeks ago, I went back to Mississippi, where we're where God lives, and uh, <laughs> and uh, as I was there, we, we, we went around, and, and if you have never been in the deep south, I don't mean like South Carolina, that doesn't really count as the south, I mean the deep south, if you've never been, <laughs> if you've never been down there, it's just a different world, it is truly a different world, so my mom is in the hospital, and so we went to see her, and uh, Michelle and I are going in, and <clears throat> pretty uneventful, you just kind of go in the hospital, you do your visit, and you're coming back out. And on the way out, it, everything changed. We're walking out, and this little lady who's, uh, she's one of the, part of the janitorial staff there in the hospital, she starts, we, I don't know who said what, we may not have had to ask her anything, but she starts telling us all about her life, her husband who was blind, he was a veteran, 100% disability, and she was there, she was his caregiver, and she worked 40 hours a week, and, and she had, I don't know if Michelle remembers, but she gave us a litany, I mean, her whole life. And if you could do it in 10 minutes, and it was hard to leave her because she had some compelling stories, and she, did, she wanted to keep telling the story. And so we were like, you ever been in one of the conversations where you're like, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> That's kind of the way we felt, trying to get out of the hospital. But, but this lady was just going, I mean, she was telling us everything. And I told Michelle, I said, you don't get that in Maryland. You just don't get people who are that transparent about their life, about all the, the good stuff, the bad stuff, the bad kids. Because she was telling us all of it. You just don't get that around here. And I don't, maybe that's probably why I share too much about, some people say, you tell too many stories about yourself. I'm like, I, I can't, can't help it. It's just kind of, it's in my DNA being from down there that you just tell all the, the good stuff and the bad stuff and you, you have to deal with it. Uh, and like it or not, that's just kind of how it goes. And that's, so that's, that was how the, our, our trip to the hospital, our first trip to the hospital was, was like that. And it was, uh, it was comical. As we left, I was like, wow, that was a lot. I don't know what to do with it all, you know. But I felt like I had a new friend in Yazoo City, Mississippi. And, it, you know, that's where Jerry Clower's from, I'm not sure. So, you know, if you've ever, you know who Jerry Clower was, he could tell stories. And that's just what this lady was doing, man. She was telling stories, funny ones, sad ones, all of it. It was great. That's why I love the book of Acts. 
because it's a book of stories of the church. It's actually stories of the Holy Spirit at work in the church. And that's why I love it so much, because they're, as we read them, we kind of get an idea of the characters and, and the stories, and, and we can, since we know a little bit more than just what the book of Acts tells us, we can kind of add to it and we can learn from it. And, and it is a powerful book for us as disciples, us as the church. I believe it is one of the best books for us to spend some time studying, devoting ourselves to reading it and really trying to understand what the Spirit of God was doing in them because I truly believe this, ladies and gentlemen, my friends, I truly believe what the Holy Spirit was doing back then, He still wants to do today. He's still yearning to do in His church today. Remember when we said to the ends of the earth, right? Rock Hall is the ends of the earth. We are at the end of the earth. Just keep driving if you don't believe me. You're at the end. That's where the Spirit still wants to work. We can't get that far away that the Spirit of God doesn't want to do something right here. And yeah, I believe He is. I believe He is, and I'm excited to be a part of it. Very excited to be a part of it. So, anyway, the gospel, we believe, doesn't just change your destination. Although it does, it definitely changes where you're going to spend eternity. The gospel, if you accept it, believe it, it's going to change your future. But it also changes your right now. We were talking about that this morning in our Bible study. We're studying the book of Romans, and we were talking about that it's, it's more than just one day. It's actually, it starts now. Now, the Spirit of God, it changes everything about you. Everything. There's not a part of you that's not affected by the, by the when you accept the fact that Jesus died for you. Nothing is unchanged. Everything. Your, your desires, your heart, your, who you care about, what you, how you how you care about people, all of that changes. The things you fill your time with changes. Everything changes by the gospel. Not just your eternal destiny. And so as we look at this story, we're just going to see where the gospel just is starting to change people's lives. Changing, transforming people. Right in front of us as we read through this story. And it's just a short one. We're going to look at in chapter 3. Of the Gospel of Acts, or Gospel of Acts. I always say that. I don't know why I do, but I do it. Uh, the Book of Acts, chapter three, verses one through ten, is where we're going to spend our time today. Powerful story. Ed already read it. Starts off one day. Peter and John were going to the temple at the time of prayer, three in the afternoon. Three in the afternoon. The Spirit was using people. That's what I want us to see. The Spirit was using people who were doing the right things at the right time. Was, the scripture was specific. They were going to the temple at 3 o'clock. What's the big deal with that? Well, if you don't know, 3 o'clock was one of the prescribed times of prayer for a faithful Jew. They were at the, hour, at the, three, the third hour, the, tw the sixth hour, and the ninth hour. They were to pray. Nine in the morning, noon, and three in the afternoon. They were to go to the temple to pray. And so that's what we have. Peter and John doing the right thing, doing the thing that faithful Jews would do, going to the temple to pray. It was the time of the evening sacrifice. It's three in the afternoon, yes. But it was the evening sacrifice. They would enter through the beautiful gate. The beautiful gate. Now, you can't see it here. The beautiful gate is this one down here, this little one. The one on the outside. It was the one that, that would, if you remember, we talked about the, the temple grounds and everything else. This inside of here was the space where, where everybody could go in. Where, where I'm sorry, where the women could go in and the men could go in. But if you weren't a Jew, 
And if you were handicapped in any way, you couldn't go in at all. You had to stay outside. And so he's out here on the steps outside of this door, this gate, the gate called Beautiful. That was as close as he could get to the temple with outside of it. Where everybody went in and out. That's a great place to be, right? <laughs> Smart guy. If you're going to be a beggar, that's where you want to be, right? Where all the traffic's coming in and out. Peter and John, they were doing what they were supposed to do, right? They, <laughs> but the part that scrambles my head is that they were going into the temple to pray with people who two months ago had killed their Lord. They were going in to pray with them. <sighs> what? Like they were, somehow they were able to put that aside and still do what they were to do as part of their faith. No matter what their issues were, they were going to do, they were going to do the thing that, that their faith told them they had to do. Wow. Makes me wonder about the things that I'm like, God, no, I can't, I can't deal with that. I'm not going to go there, right? Wow. Anyway, that's, that's me. I'm talking to myself there. But there was something else that made this the right time, and I'm going to tell you about it in a minute, but it's, fan it's a powerful one. But right now, I want us to appreciate that Peter and John were doing the right things at the right time. The Spirit uses people who are doing the right things at the right time. They were, they were in the process of, of doing the thing that they were supposed, I'll put it in air quotes, supposed to do, and yet they were willing to be interrupted. They were willing to be interrupted. They were doing this thing that they, that this is what we got to do, and yet they were prepared to be interrupted. And the Spirit of God loves people who are willing to be interrupted. I don't know about you, but I do not like to be interrupted. I, I, feel, I find that to be a growing edge in my life. What did they do when they were interrupted? What did, they, what did Peter and John do? Peter looked straight at him. Peter stopped. He stopped to see this man who was born lame. Got to thinking how I, we tend to handle interruptions, right? <laughs> how, how do you handle interruptions? How good are you with interruptions when, when you have a, a task list and something jumps in the middle of it? How are you with that? Uh, I can only speak for myself here. But it's not that I hate interruptions. <laughs> but I really, really, really don't like them, as that song used to say, right? <laughs> I really, really, really don't like them. They looked at him, and this is, this is why it's important. Even more than just looking at him, they saw him. They saw him. When you go up to Acme, and there's that guy outside of Acme, and he's panhandling, I wonder if you do like me. <clears throat> you see him from a distance. So when you get close, you're not going to hit him. But when you get close, you don't make eye contact. Right? You're checking the speed limit. I make sure I'm driving the speed limit here. Make sure my blinker's on like I'd never do that anywhere else. But I'm going to make sure. Why do we avoid eye contact? Because when you look at somebody in the eye, they're a person. Right? When you see somebody, when somebody sees you, when you make eye contact, there's no denying it. Like that's a person with a story. Like there's something going on there. There's a real need there. That's a human being, right? And so we avoid it, don't we? I, I'm not the only one, am I? I'm not gonna, don't raise your hand because everybody around you, everybody around you be judging you. But I'll tell you that I, we do that. I know you do that, right? 
you, you've been around when somebody owes you money and you go to the party and there they are? Where's it? Where's it? And, and you can't find them for you can't find them at the party. Every time you go in a room, you see the back of their head. They're whoosh, gone, right? Yeah, because I know if, I, if, if we make eye contact, then it's going to be, the, the gig is up, right? We can't. We avoid it. And yet they saw him. They saw the interruption. They, they stopped and looked at their interruption. They didn't like, oh man, I can't look at it because I've got to keep moving. No, no, no. They saw it. They stopped. The Spirit works through people who are willing to be interrupted. Willing to be interrupted. The fact that they were willing that they, they're willing to see him brings the third thing that we see in Peter and John. And that is the Spirit was using people who were paying attention to the needs of others. Paying attention to the needs of others. I believe when they saw him, the Spirit gave them discernment of, of what was going on in that man's heart and his life. They had compassion on him, right? I mean, the Scripture didn't say that, but they had compassion on him. How do I know that? Because they stopped and they talked to him. They engaged him. Peter said, look at us. Look at him. I mean, this man was avoiding them, right? I mean, it wasn't that they were avoiding look at, eye contact with the beggar like, like we're sometimes guilty of doing, but no. He says, look at me. Something's about to happen here. Look. Raise your head up. This guy had been out here for every day for years. For years. He was so beat down that he couldn't be more beat down. He'd given up hope so much, so many years ago that anything was going to change. So, so you know the posture, right? If you've ever been in the city, you know the posture. They don't even look at you. They just shake the cup, right? They don't even bother looking at you because what's the point? They're not going to help me anyway. That's, that's, that's what he's doing here. And he said, no, 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 don't just shake your cup at me. Look at me. Look at me. Because Peter and John, they understood the importance of what was about to happen. They understood what was really happening. The Spirit, the fourth thing here, the Spirit wants to use people who are willing to give what they have. Peter and John were prepared to give what they had. Problem was, in the world's eyes, they didn't have much. In the world's eyes, they didn't have a whole lot. That, that psalm that they've read, silver and gold, all the things of the world, they didn't have that. Peter said to him, I don't have the silver and gold that you want, but what I do have, I give you. But what I do have, I give you. They just received the, the Spirit of God, the power of God had just come into them. They knew that they were different, right? They knew that they had experienced something, and they were ready and willing to share it with anybody, with everybody. We always love hearing testimonies of people who have these dramatic transformations, these deliverances from addictions or, or uh, healings, miraculous things. We love to hear those stories, right? Because those folks, they, they're passionate about it. They want to share it. They want to tell people, this happened to me. I'm changed. More often, the rest of us, we've come to Christ slowly, in a process. It's been just been years that we've, we've just been living into this thing called our faith. And so we fail to appreciate the transformation that's happened in us. But, but I want you to think about what you used to be. I want you to think about what you used to be. I mean, yeah, you're, you're fantastic now, but, but you weren't always. 
If you need your mom to show up and tell you, she'll tell you, you weren't always like that. You weren't always like that. No, indeed. You've changed. We need, to, we need a great appreciation for that transformation that God has done in our lives. Because when we, when we grasp it, when we hang on to it, when we, when we appreciate just how different we are, man, we're excited to tell that story. We're excited to tell that it, yeah, I've been set free. That I used to be addicted, or I used to be a, a pain, or I used to be argumentative, or I used to disrespect everybody, but, but I've, been, I've been set free. I'm different by the power of God. By the power of God. That's the key. That's the fifth thing that Peter and John were all about here. That the Spirit was using people who were willing to promote God and not themselves. It wasn't about them. It was all about Jesus. They were willing participants in this. They didn't heal this man. He was healed by their ministry, but they didn't heal him. It was Jesus, by the power of the Holy Spirit, working through them, that this man was healed. Silver and gold I don't have, but what I do have, I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ, walk of Nazareth, walk. Taking him by the hand, he helped him up, and instantly the man's feet and ankles were made, became strong. He jumped to his feet, began to walk. Then he went with them into the temple courts, walking, jumping, and praising God. I love his reaction. When all the people saw him walking and praising God, they, they recognized him as the same man who used to sit begging at the temple gate called Beautiful. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened. While the man held on to Peter and John, all the people were astonished and came running to them in the place called Solomon's Colonnade. This is inside the temple. When Peter saw this, he said to them, Fellow Israelites, why does this surprise you? Why do you stare at us as if by our own power or godliness? As if, as if, why do you look at us as though we did this? Why look at us like we did? It's not our godliness that made the man walk. It's not us. It's the power of God. That's, that's the attitude. That's the attitude that we receive. I mean, they knew exactly what had happened. Peter and John did. Everybody else was confused, right? But they knew exactly what had happened. I mean, this stuff is, this has been happening all the time with Jesus, and now it's happening with us. The lame man, he knew too. Because he had experienced it just now. He had no doubt what was happening. They said, it's, it's not us, it's, it's God. It's the power of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Next week we're going to look at Peter's response to the crowd. That starts in verse 11 and continues. But for now, just know that the Spirit wants to work in people who are all about building His kingdom, not their own. This applies to, to me and you, right? It, the, you, we want the Spirit of God to work in our lives. We would love to be a part of miracles like this to see our friends delivered, to see ourselves delivered, to see healings happen. We would love to be an ex a part of these kind of things. Am I right? I, 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 would. I would. And I believe that the Spirit of God wants to move this way. And the Spirit of God does move this way. I don't want to say He might, He will, He could. He does move this way. He moves this way in our families, in our marriages, in our businesses, even in our church. 
when we're looking to build His kingdom, or as we look to build His kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. Not, not trying to build our own kingdom. Not trying to, to, to make our church something, but to make His church something. Let His name be known. That's where the Spirit of God works and moves. That's where He wants His people to be right there in that sweet spot. That they're willing to do whatever it takes to glorify I have a question that I wrote down here as I was going through this. Are we doing all the things we do in order to prove ourselves? Or are we doing them to glorify God? All the things that we do in life, I'm not just talking in church, I'm talking about in life. Are we doing them to glorify ourselves? Or are we doing them to glorify God? If we're doing them, to, they're going to look different. Amen? You don't do the same things. To glorify Gary versus to glorify God. I'm going to have a little different approach to life. And if we're doing them, if, we're, if we really want to do the things that glorify God, are we doing what we need to be doing? I mean, if my life, if I, if I, if I truly and honestly want to glorify God with my life, am I doing the right things? Am I occupying my time in the right way? Am I spending time with, the, I'll say this, the right people in the right places? And I don't mean, you know, just in church. I mean in life. Am I, am I around the people that God's looking to save? Or am I around the people that make me comfortable? They're usually different. Looking at Peter and John, it calls me to really think about my life over these last, because I've had two weeks to, to, to read this passage over and over and over and over and over again. It really calls me to, and created a desire in me to make sure I'm on the same page as the Holy Spirit in everything I do. That I'm doing it empowered by God for His glory. But, but Peter and John aren't the only layer of the story. You know, like any, any good story, there's layers to it, right? It's like peeling onion or, or whatever else. Another layer to this story is this lame man. This beggar. <clears throat> In verse 2 through 5 read, Now a man who was born lame from birth was being carried to the temple gates called Beautiful. He was put every day to beg, where he was put every day to beg, from those going into the temple courts. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Peter looked straight at him, and, as did John, and Peter said, Look at us. So the man gave them his attention, expecting to get something from them. Expecting to get something from them. We said Peter and John were, were going to the temple at the right time to pray, right to do the right thing, to pray. They were going for the right reasons. But something else that faithful Jews were supposed to do when they were going into the temple or anywhere, that they were to help the poor. They were to give alms. If you're a faithful Jew, you don't just go to show up and pray, but you're actually supposed to help those who are less fortunate. If you're a faithful Jew in that day, that's what you were supposed to do. So, so that's why I say this guy had set himself up at the right place at the right time because everybody's going into the temple at the evening hour of prayer and the offering. It's, it's the time when people bring their offering for the day to God. Yes, they had a daily offering that they brought before the Lord. And he's outside the temple. He's right on the steps. You can't miss it. This guy, he, had a, he was smart. He was no dummy. 
Peter and John come up to him, and he wanted Peter and John to bless him. Right? That's what he asked. Give me, give us, please, some money, please, for the poor. To fill the void that this disability of his had created. Because in that day, there was no Social Security, right? He had no way of providing for himself. There was no Disability Act or anything else. If you couldn't earn a living, you didn't eat. Or you begged. And that's where he is. He's begging. He was asking Peter and John and anybody else who could listen to fill in this void that his disability had created in his life. To fill in the gap. His problem. Maybe it wasn't one he created, but it was still there in his life. Got to thinking, how often do we do the same thing to Jesus? When we have a problem or a void in our lives, we ask God to fill it, to, to bless us right where we are. And that's not a bad thing, right? We pray, Lord, bless my business, bless my marriage, keep me safe on this trip, heal me of this illness. Those aren't bad prayers. Right? <laughs> I hope not, because I pray them. But silver and gold, I do not have. All he wanted, he, he would have been satisfied with silver and gold, right? Or some wheat. He said, I don't have that. Peter and John told him, I don't have that. All he wanted paled in comparison to what he actually got. What he got was much more than what he asked for, what he was seeking after. God says, what if I can give you something so that you no longer have to beg? I believe, I believe he wants to do that for us too. What if I can fill your life in such a way that you no longer have to ask for anything? What if I could permanently change your life? That's what Jesus offers them. Would that work for you? Would that, that work for you? That's the question that Peter and, and John were asking him, is that, look at me, right? I'm gonna, I don't have silver and gold, but what I've got, Jesus, Christ of Nazareth, stand up and walk. Is this changes your life. Jesus changes your life in such a way that you're, you're not going to have to beg anymore. You're not going to have to ask for help anymore. That's the lesson of this, tra- this, this, this man born lame, right? That He's been out here, he's been lame for 40 years. Most of his adult life he's been coming to this same place doing the same thing every day. Peter and John, they weren't going out to look for somebody to heal. They were going to pray, right? But they were open to God leading them somewhere else. And this is what happened. I told you earlier that there was this was the right time and the right place for another reason. This is it. Think about this. This guy's been sitting here for, like I say, most of his adult life. He's been sitting on these steps begging for money. Somebody help, 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 please. Somebody help me. The temple in Jerusalem... Who went in and out of this gate many times throughout his life? You know him? Popular guy? First name starts with a J? Yes, Jesus went in and out of this gate many times. How, how many times did Jesus walk by this man? Mm-hmm. Make you wonder. He's been here every day and he's 40 years old. Makes you wonder. 
why did Jesus walk by this guy so many times? Assuming he did, because that's kind of what you have to take from the story, right? Jesus worshiped here all the time. And if this guy is always here, why didn't Jesus heal him before? Must have been a greater purpose. Must have been a bigger agenda. Why does God wait? Why does God wait? Sometimes, I believe, it's because there is a greater purpose. It's certainly in this case, he wasn't healed before, so he could be healed now. God's plan was this, to display, I believe, this unstoppable power of the gospel. Peter and John testified to that when they healed him. That the gospel of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, that's what's healing. Get up and walk. Get up and walk. Which is the last thing I want to leave us with today as we close. And that is simply that as he got stronger, he jumped up on his feet, he realized that there is power in his name. There's power in the name of Jesus. I know we sing that song, right, Mr. Dean? There's power in the blood. But there's power in his name too. Not just in his blood. There's power in his name. Some pretty cool things have happened in our church over the last several weeks. Uh, last weekend, uh, the shoebox ministry, a bunch of people came out to help with a, uh, an auction, a, a bake sale, all kinds of stuff, and, and raised a ton of money to send gifts to kids, underprivileged kids around the world. Send kids to Camp Pacoma. Praise God. Wednesday, the uh, Ageless Wonders met at, um, at the church hall, and I missed it, but apparently I got volunteered for something for next time. But uh, so I won't miss them anymore, I assure you. But <laughs> but uh, but they have a great time of fellowship, just having fun together, getting out of the house, getting out of the four walls, and spending time with other people. That night, or that morning, actually, before they showed up, we, so a group of people showed up to pack uh, Thanksgiving packages to give to people. Pack forty of them, uh, turkey and all the all the stuff that goes with a Thanksgiving dinner. That night, the kids' ministry came, and those families showed up one after another after another to receive a, a thank you, a blessing from, from you. And believe me, it was received as a blessing. We encourage them, either use it or give it to someone less fortunate. That was, that was the word. Use it yourself, be blessed, or bless somebody else with it. And several people were intending to bless others with it. So I assure you that. That night, a bunch of kids there, a bunch of families there, having dinner together. This week, I had several conversations with uh, with people about in crisis, needing help from our church community. A lot of good stuff. A lot of good stuff is happening, y'all. Don't don't ever think that, man. What is going on? Let me tell you, there's a lot of good stuff that's happening. But all of this, this time around. And I'm not saying anything bad about it at all. It was all things of this world. All of those things I just listed were worldly kind of things that when, when we die, and it's, it's done. It's satisfied. The one thing that changes eternity, the one person that changes eternity for these folks and for us is Jesus. That's the only thing that changes people's destination, that really transforms their lives, is Jesus. And if 
if we're not all about offering people Christ, then, then we need to really think about why aren't we doing anything? If we're not offering our community Christ, what else do we have, really? We don't have anything that the Lions Club can offer. We don't have anything that the fire company can't put together and offer. If it's not Christ. Because that's all we've got that matters. It's Christ. Years ago, I'm talking years ago, um, let's say 100 years ago, going on now, there was this thing that started to come out of America. It was called the social gospel, right? Where, where the, the social gospel was to, to meet people where they were at, right? To help their physical needs, you know? You think of ministries like that kind of got their, their jump start in it was the Salvation Army. But ministries like that, that, that were all about helping people in need. And they preached the gospel. Somewhere along the way, though, it kind of got more important to meet the need than it was to share the gospel. And so all around the world now are ministries that, that meet people and help people all around the world. Christian ministries all around the world that, that have become this, these ministries that, that, that really meet, that fill in the gaps. But they've lost their gospel flavor. They don't offer Christ. And I was reading this week in an article, I don't even know how I stumbled across it, but it, in what they called uh, third world countries. Uh, 